0: Welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. Your host for today's episode is Ryan Eras.
1: Welcome back once again to the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute and hosted on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. I'm Ryan Eras, and I'm joined for another of a Christmas season episode with Dr. Joe Boot. Good to good see you to again, John.
0: Absolutely, yeah, it's nice to be uh, nice to be back in the saddle, and uh, good to have a um, a few really exciting episodes to close out our uh, our year on the podcast here.
1: It's uh, it's been a it's been a good year. Uh, it's been I mean it's it's been a big year. Uh, regular listeners will know uh, several several changes in the. Uh, just in, in not in, not in the core commitments, not in the core operations, but in how we carry out our mission and mandate. Uh, you'll be aware that uh, there have been several changes uh, in and around the ministry. Uh, and again, if uh, if you're a regular listener, uh, you'll notice you'll you'll have noticed the absence over the past several weeks of uh, of Nathan Oblak's voice. And that's uh, there's a. Very specific reason for that. Nathan's okay, but uh, just got a uh, a quick update on uh, on him, Joe.
0: Yeah, so we we didn't want to uh, get to Christmas uh, given the the absence of Nathan's voice for the last uh, uh, three or four weeks um, or so, um, without updating our, our listeners on that. As as you said, Ryan, there's been quite a bit of. A change in the last few months for the ministry. Um, some of it really exciting and uh, really encouraging, and then of course some of it uh, a little more sad mm-hmm. um, for us as a team. Um, the uh, the the exciting stuff we've communicated already: um, our expansion into the United States uh, in Tennessee and office an office in the UK as well and our ongoing operations in Canada and uh, the trajectory that uh, for delivering our training, which is really exciting. Um, And, um, but in the process of that, of course, we've, uh, there's been a few um, changes in or that are in process or have happened with personnel. We've got our much loved um, program coordinator, Davey, um, who is expecting a newborn. Uh, at the beginning of the year. So we're really excited for her and the family about that. And so mm-hmm. um, she is going on maternity leave and um, we've got a new staff member, Joanna. Uh, uh, Joanna De uh joining our team. She's just joined our team as our program coordinator. So that's been uh, really good. And um, Nathan, and, and I maybe thought I'd never quite get the opportunity to say this, but he has truly this time traveled a third of the way across the country from our perspective in the wrong direction i,
1: I saved that for you i wondered if you would uh, if you would bring that out
0: so our good friend nathan has um uh, uh took the decision earlier in the year that uh, he was going to relocate his family to be near uh, his wife's family And um, unfortunately for us, that was uh, not uh, somewhere in Ontario, but in Nova Scotia, um, hanging off the edge of Canada in the Bay of Fundy area, Mm -hmm. um, which um, for those unfamiliar with the geography of Canada, let's just say it is a long way away. Um, And (laughs) um, and so uh, that is the – we wanted to give um, Nathan – uh, time he had to relocate his family. It was a, it was a big big upheaval for for the family but they, they're there now in Nova Scotia they're settling in um, and um, we're hoping to have uh, Nathan on the program for a, for a guest appearance to give us an update on how things are for him and the family um, in the new year. Mm-hmm. So um, if Nathan's listening, Merry Christmas, Nathan and family um, and uh, happy new Year to you all and trust that the uh, settling in process continues to go well, but we wanted to update listeners so that uh, they didn't think that um, uh, Nathan had fallen off the planet or been abducted by aliens or otherwise joined the Starship Enterprise. Um, He has in fact, finally done it and gone two thirds of the way across the country in the wrong direction.
1: That's right. He took that that as a mandate. All right. Well, yeah. As you say, that's a uh, that's a difficult update. That's a uh, that's a loss from our perspective. But of of course, as you say, we we do wish them all the best. And and today uh, today we've got, as I said, a uh, a special Christmas episode. Uh, we're here the uh, the week before Christmas. Before we get into the uh, the bones of this discussion. Uh, we have been uh, speaking for for the past several weeks, uh, making you aware of the Right Response Ministries conference that uh, that Joe and others will be speaking at in Texas in May. That conference, I understand, uh, attendance is is maxed out now. Uh, but I also wanted to make you aware that the Ezra Institute is running an event uh, in uh, in May at the uh, towards the end of May. This is a uh, this is the Christianity and Culture Colloquium. We've we've run this event a couple of times before. This will be our first outing for this program uh, in the States. So from May 20th to 24th, we'll be in Deerwood, Minnesota. Joe, you'll be there. Several of our fellows and friends will be there teaching uh, what is largely uh, the same program on Understanding and applying the Word of God to to every area of life. This is a general audience conference or uh, symposium, five day five day session on uh, on Christianity and culture. It's right there in the name, and you can uh, you can visit uh, EzraInstitute.com, get some more information and uh, and sign up to attend that. You can. Also, before we begin, we've got. At, we're here at uh, at year end, and I know that uh, all of us are sitting around here thinking, "What am I going to do with all this extra money that I have at year end?" And I know that. <laughs> you're that Joe probably. Uh, <laughs> uh, and if uh, if that's you, if you're uh, if you're looking to. to top up your charitable giving, offset your, uh, your tax burden going forward and, uh, participate in, uh, what, uh, what we obviously believe is an excellent cause and venture. Uh, may I, may I humbly request that to uh, the, consider the Ezra Institute. Uh, again, you can go to Ezra com. There's a, a donate button on the main page and our, uh, our ministry is a, a non-profit, is a charity. We exist to uh, to advance the uh, the lordship of Christ in every area through our our events and teaching and training programs, through our podcasting, through the the published resources that we produce. And your your prayers and your gifts are what uh, what God uses to make that all possible.
0: Yeah, please stand with us. Uh, we we would. Uh... We'd be most grateful for that as we go into 2023. To We want to be able to execute on all of these plans and training, and that would be just fabulous to have you join us. And the, uh, yes, Ryan, the Minnesota event, uh, yeah, it does what it says on the tin. It's Christianity mm-hmm. and culture, and we're excited to, to launch that program in the U.S. Uh, in the coming year.
1: Yep. We had, uh, and we, we mentioned this before, but at the, uh, at the Mission of God conference in Windsor, we had mentioned that uh, – the Canadian borders are open, and I actually I ended up speaking with a couple of people who made the uh, made the trip to uh, over from uh, from Michigan.
0: That's right. So yeah. that
1: uh, that was encouraging to see. Uh, Americans, we're uh, we're coming to you uh, next time. So mark uh, mark that date May twentieth to twenty fourth. All right. So let's uh, let's get into this uh, this Christmas week uh, discussion. And Joe, our uh, one one of the themes that that we we see repeated, uh, and it's it's so prevalent, it's so common as to uh, for us to to breeze over it in terms of its the, the significance. But it is the uh, the idea of the presence of God among His people, and we th- we sing carols like "O Come, oh Come, Emmanuel," and we talk about you know even uh, more recent carols like love or light came down and we we sing about uh, obviously with reference to uh, to the incarnation but this is uh, this is a major theme it not not just a not just a cute theme um, you know not just a uh, a sweet little lord jesus uh, as a baby kind of kind of idea but the significance of God's presence with his people is, uh, is where we've planned to, uh, to take this Christmas discussion today. And to, uh, to start us off, I'm going to read from everybody's fa- uh, favorite Christmas uh, passage uh, from the book of Exodus. Uh, this, is, uh, this is Exodus chapter 40, la- final chapter of that book, starting in verse 33. We read, Thus Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel. Now, Joe, the uh, I'm not sure if uh, if everyone's been paying attention. It was hard to miss the repeated uh, wor- uh, word tabernacle there, and that's a well. I'll I'll let you take uh, take the discussion from here. But one one of the ways, one of the places where we're going with this is that that uh, that word tabernacle is actually is also uh, a verb right like that uh, mm-hmm. that the presence of god tabernacled or fellowshiped with his people yeah so this uh, let's uh, let's get into some of the some of the implications of uh, of this passage and of this reality
0: Yes, it's not the first passage you would naturally turn to, as you uh, sort of t- tongue in cheek referred to there, everybody's favourite mm. Christmas passage, um, Exodus forty. But um, I've been, you know, meditating and reflecting uh, on again this year the significance of Christmas, and um, one of the things it's easy to do at Christmas time, of course, has become so over familiar. With the themes and with the with the messaging that we can miss the the depth of it. And so every year i I like to um, reflect on um, some other element or some distinctive uh, note of the Christmas season that might be overlooked or neglected or um, not featured or just needs more attention. And, uh, and as I was uh, was thinking about it, and I was in Exodus 40, which you've read there, the conclusion of Exodus 40, this is a moment where Moses has, has finished the, um, the tabernacle. And I got to thinking about the, the, The broader implications of what the tabernacle means, um, what it signifies, and then the restoration and the transformation um, of all of life that's implicit with the idea of God's tabernacling presence. And that's kind of the verb there, um, the tabernacling presence of God that you were that you were referring to. Um, The 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 Christmas message doesn't allow us to stop at the notion as you said of the sort of the 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 cute baby jesus um which unfortunately the message can sometimes be reduced to Um, but it wants us to 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 grasp the 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 significance of this the meaning of this for the transformation of all of life which of course is at the heart of what the ezra institute is uh constantly talking about It's at the heart of our message of of what the Lordship, the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ and the reality of his kingdom really means for history. And uh, and there in Exodus 40, Moses reaches this incredible milestone, really, in in the history of Israel, because he's not only received the law, you'll recall, up on the mountain, but he's received the plans. He's received instructions for the construction of the tabernacle. And it's no mistake uh, or coincidence that those things came together for Moses, the law and the instruction for the tabernacle, because law and grace uh, were always an interwoven reality in the life of God's people. God knew that his righteous law would be disobeyed, would be rebelled against, That a fallen and sinful people would not keep the fullness of the law, uh, would not keep the full intention of the law. And so God was going to make provision of atonement um, for the people uh, that would typify and point us towards the, the, the total fulfillment of both the law and the tabernacle. Uh, so the Lord Jesus Christ is both the living Torah. He's the culmination of the law. He's the fulfillment of the law. He's also the atoning sacrifice. Um, and the uh, part of the, the the gifts, of course of gold, frankincense, and myrrh of the the wise men remind us about Christ's identity, his status as king, his priestly office, and the day of burial. Um, so this is an amazing moment for Moses. He's received these instructions. The tabernacle has been finished. And the, the tabernacle is that place where it's, it, it's most helpful to think of it as God's throne room. It was the place where God's presence would dwell with his people. That's why there were restrictions uh, around the temple. It's where the living God was to dwell. Sometimes people are kind of shocked or even offended by the restrictions with the tabernacle in the temple, the sacrificial system and so on. But given that to, to approach any a king in the ancient world um, would mean death unless you had an invitation. Just look at the story of Esther, for example. To enter the presence, this was the presence of Almighty God, and so um, the this was now indicative of uh, the way in which uh, God was to be approached, and ultimately, of course, um, we've said that this is this is typifying something greater um, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the the temple, in many respects, was a, a model of Eden. Uh, It was a copy of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was the place where originally God's presence dwelt. God walked there with his kingly priests, Adam and Eve, that he had placed in creation, a kind of cosmic temple. As they looked up at the stars, they were seeing what looked looked like a, a dome, the dome of the heavens. And there they were in creation to serve as kingly priests. And And God walked with them. His presence was with them. So Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden because of their sin and disobedience. And the cherubim with the flaming sword was placed at the entrance to the garden so that they couldn't uh, take from the, the, the tree of life. And of course, on the Ark of the Covenant are the cherubim. And the Ark of the Covenant is placed in the holiest place. And that's where the blood is sprinkled upon the the mercy seat. So the the robes of the priests, Moses with the tabernacle, the priests would enter uh, in their garments and the pomegranates and the decoration was all indicative of Eden and the place where God's glory had dwelt. And now in this moment when the tabernacle is finished, they've received the law uh, The the sacrificial system now because of man's sin is put in place because of the inevitable disobedience to God's law. All of this is richly pointing now to the greater fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Moses finishes the tabernacle and when he has, the scripture says, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter the tent because the cloud rested on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And as I was reflecting on this, um, of course, my thoughts went to for, uh, John chapter one and the way in which John speaks of the reality of the tabernacling presence um, of God again in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's, there's, there's um, two allusions to it. Um, Interestingly. In John chapter one, first of all, well, let's just read it a second. So the whole of John's prologue is obviously significant for Christmas, but in verse 14, this is where we get to the link with the tabernacle. The word became flesh So this word spoken of in John 1, 1 and 2, who was in the beginning. The word was with God. The word was God. All things were created through him. The word became flesh and took up residence amongst us is the way that the Holman Christian Standard um, Hmm. translates that. Um, The word became flesh. And the actual word there in the Greek is tabernacled. Right. He tabernacled amongst us. The Word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. And then this is what John says, we observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so you've got the two allusions there to Exodus 40 and the tabernacle. The, here again now is the tabernacling presence of God among uh the people in the lord jesus christ um he's taken up residence god just as he did in the time of moses and the cloud descended on the tabernacle as god's throne room the presence of god was made manifest here now john is saying that word now became flesh himself whose presence had been with the people of israel he now becomes flesh and tabernacles in the flesh, with us. And just as Moses says, it's the glory cloud that descended. Mm-hmm. John says, we beheld his glory. This is the glory. This is the glory cloud. This is the glory of God made flesh. And God's glory, this 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 um, manifest presence of God is now made in uniquely real in the incarnation. Um, so... If you think of it this way, in the the book of Exodus, the almighty God moves in to dwell with the people and his glory cloud fills the tent. And as you read, he's with them by day and by night. It's a fiery cloud because there's a fire in the midst of the cloud. And here's the interesting thing that I haven't really paid much attention to before. I have to confess. Mm. Um, It says that the fiery glory cloud was with them throughout their journey. Now, of course, we know that uh, the the, the pillar of fire in the early days and the the, the pillar of fire and the the cloud by day. But here now, at the tabernacle, throughout their journey, God is tabernacling amongst them in the fiery cloud. And whenever it says that the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the Israelites set out throughout all the stages of their journey. If the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out. So the whole um, journey of Israel was dictated by when the glory cloud lifted and they could disassemble the tabernacle, God's throne room, and then move on. And then they would reassemble it and the cloud would be made manifest, the fiery cloud of the presence of God would be manifest again. Um, The Lord was over the tabernacle by day, there was fire inside the cloud by night, visible to the entire house of Israel. And it's emphasized again throughout all the stages of their journey, God was with them. And that made me think about all the struggles, all the trials, all the conflicts, all the difficulties that the people of Israel had. And it was a and it was a difficult journey mm-hmm. and it was fraught with well the whole story of the of of the people of Israel in the wilderness is uh, often not a pretty one but God was with them fulfilling his purposes and um at Christmas again now thinking about this connection that the word becoming flesh tabernacling amongst us and us seeing his glory the apostles seeing his glory at that at, at the very beginning we're reminded then that this very day because of the incarnation of the lord jesus because of the word becoming flesh christ is with us he is amongst us wherever we are today listening to this podcast Christ is with us. He's amongst us as His people, and He is manifesting His glory. And that's kind of been a, somewhat the focus of my attention as I've mm. been thinking about Christmas this year. Is that Christ is among is amongst us, and He is manifesting His glory, and He's with us on every stage of um, our journey. Uh, we can think of, of course, about the day of Pentecost, which for the Jews was a celebration time of the of the giving of the law. yeah um, that that as Christ's body since the day of Pentecost, the tabernacle that Moses built uh, and the temple that was built, and of course, the glory of Solomon's temple, is long gone. But the temple, where God's glory dwells is now scattered throughout the nations because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So since the day of Pentecost, Christ is the chief cornerstone. A new temple is, has been built together. That's the body of Christ. And, to, and together we are the dwelling place of the most high God throughout all of the nations. And so my mind went to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17, uh, where we read, don't you yourselves know that you are God's sanctuary Hmm. and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Uh, What a thought. We are God's tabernacle. We are God's sanctuary, and the Spirit of God lives in you. What a beautiful connection that is to the Exodus and Moses' completion of the tabernacle, the Lord Jesus being made flesh, tabernacling amongst us, manifesting his glory. And now we being built into Christ as the new temple, whereby through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are now manifesting his glory. He has become tangible now in the lives of those in whom his spirit dwells. And he's made visible. He's made manifest by us, by our kingdom testimony, by our work, by our life by our service what an amazing thought that is at christmas
1: mm-hmm. absolutely and uh i just just to uh i guess to to highlight uh by throwing it into into relief uh we were talking beforehand there's a there's another instance there are several instances of god making his presence known but I uh, just want to refer to an instance of God making his presence known, uh, amongst his enemies. And to see, we see the, uh, the, just the, the awesome power of God, as you say, uh, manifesting his glory amongst us as his people. And to, uh, just to get a fuller appreciation of that, we see the, the power of God manifesting itself, uh, amongst his enemies, amongst the people who, uh, as we'll see, had, uh, Thought thought that they had captured God, uh, and I'm just going to read here from First Samuel five. Uh, this is uh, there was war between uh, Israel and the Philistines in the days before the kings, and uh, this passage goes. Now the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. When the Ashdodites arose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set him in his place again. But when they arose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. Therefore neither the priests of Dagon nor all who enter Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. Now the hand of the Lord was heavy on the Ashdodites, and he ravaged them and smote them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territories. This, uh, as I said, the, we we talk about the the presence of God amongst His people, amongst the people with whom He's He is pleased to dwell, and who have who have invited Him, and He has graciously condescended to have His glory dwell amongst the tabernacle. And then we also we also see just how how incredible that is by seeing that this this God with us this uh, I'm not sure if I even want to call it a tabernacling presence certainly not in the same sense but to God with us that to that sense of Emmanuel amongst the Philistines that this is a uh, this is a religious and a public health disaster. There's a uh, <laughs> there's a <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> How uh, right, right. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but this is uh i, I remember uh reading that uh, peter lightheart referred to this passage saying that the the philistines thought that they had uh they had captured god they tr- they're treating the ark as some kind of of talisman uh, some kind of oh uh, capture the flag kind of uh, activity mm-hmm. and then you know they they put the ark of the of the lord in dagon's temple and he said dagon falls on his face and lightheart says this it looks like god's defeat but in fact it's god's invasion mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah it has been said hasn't it that um uh the, the the story of the accounts of scripture the story of scripture are are is the chronicle of God's uh, kingdom victories, cleverly disguised as defeats. That's right. Was that
1: C.S. Lewis who said that?
0: I don't recall now. I Um, can't remember offhand. But it's certainly not original to me. And uh, the, um, the reality there of, you see, the Ark was the symbol of the Presence of God, of the tabernacling presence of God. It was the Ark of the Covenant that was in the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. Um, it was where the blood was sprinkled on the Mercy Seat. It was where the Tables of the Law of God's Covenant were kept. And this, of course, is indicative of the of the religious root of um, man's relationship to God. That it's a covenantal relationship. The, the religious root of all creation, of 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 our of our very lives. And so because the Ark was a symbol of that, and that's why all the protections were there for the uh, Holy of Holies in the tabernacle, representing that place of God's dwelling in his throne room and the place of atonement. The notion that you could abuse the presence of God or the symbols of God's presence, um, that you could treat the, the law of God and the mercy seat like a talisman, um, the idea that you could, uh, 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 especially as you said, the idea that you could t- contain the living God, that, that account there in Samuel really is a, a paradma- paradigmatic example of what happens to all false gods before the living God. That's right. There's, there's no escaping the symbolism there of what God was doing is <laughs> they, they bring the ark in the symbol of God's presence into a pagan temple as though he's a captured and a defeated God. And their God, Dagon, is found fallen, broken and shattered with his head fallen off, uh, which, of course, has to do with the mind and the will and intellect and so on. And his hands broken, the powerlessness of all idols before the living God. And um, it is an interesting thought, isn't it, that you've raised there, that it's not just the significance of God's tabernacling presence for the believer that's of significance. There is also a tremendous significance of the tabernacling presence of the living God uh, amongst His people, of course, in Christ, and then amongst His people for the unbeliever. I mean, in the, in the Magnificat itself, Mary uh, says, under the inspiration of the Spirit, he, he, "He will pull down kings from their thrones." That's right. Um, and so there is a there is a historic, cosmic. Eschatological reality to the Christmas message of the the tabernacling presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and beholding His glory that is that is culminate culminating um, in a historic fulfillment that is of course still ahead of us of the of the the reality of the glory of God. Um, when you were speaking, I was reminded of the the text in. Uh, 2 Corinthians, actually, 2 Corinthians 2.16, um, uh, because we are the, the now the, the temple of, uh, of God, the, the dwelling place of God. It's where the spirit, the glory of God resides. And in um, 2 Corinthians 2.16, Paul reminds us, um, he says, thanks, uh, beginning of verse 14, thanks be to God who always puts us on display in Christ hmm. and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. That's interesting. The, the, the tabernacle was a place filled with incense, and aroma. It's, again, symbolic of the Lord's presence. Uh, he puts us on display in Christ And through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For to God, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To some, we are an aroma of death. Leading to death. But to others, an aroma of life leading to life. And so the presence of God, the fragrance of Christ. um. Which is always implied in the presence of God, right the present always implied in god's presence is his fragrance is the is the incense it's the table of incense that it's, it's 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 symbolic of the again the, the the presence of God we now as the temple and the manifest presence of God by the spirit are the aroma of the knowledge of God in every place, and to some people that aroma is. Uh, judgment. It's, a, it's, a, it's an aroma of death. It's an aroma of judgment. To others, That's it's right. an, arom- an aroma of life. And so, as you say, I think that the presence of God, the tabernacling presence of God in the earth, just as we saw there with that incredible account there with Dagon, you cannot, man cannot play fast and loose with, with the covenant of God they cannot play fast and loose with god's law we cannot play fast and loose and be presumptuous about the blood of the covenant the blood on the mercy seat and and most of all of course the blood of the lord jesus christ the precious blood of the lord jesus christ um, who who has come to redeem us from all lawlessness and so the christmas message although of course as we declare it as God's people, it's a message of good news, of, of peace, bring you tidings of great joy that will be for all people. It is also amongst the unbeliever an aroma of death uh, because it's about the knowledge of God. It is, it is the spreading of the knowledge of God in every place, the fragrance of Christ. And that fragrance is, can be ob- obnoxious, to some people. That's and right. The, and, and, and Ryan, as we look back at the history of Israel um, and and see the reality of one, one of the perhaps the shocking things is when you, when you look at the reality of the glory of God's presence in the tabernacle in ancient Israel, coming so close, so visible on their journey, their response isn't what we would have expected. Um, it largely isn't one of reverence and awe and obedience, which it should have been to that Mm. kind of an experience of God. Instead, we see rebellion and disobedience. Even though God's throne room and his glory is right there, the response is so often disobedience and rebellion And the same is, of course, true today. The glory of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the exact representation of his being, having come so close, abiding with us, Emmanuel, in the person of the Holy Spirit, living amongst us, manifesting his glory amongst us, still on our journey, because he's with us on the journey. I mean, that's the message there. He was with wherever they went. He was with them on the journey and he led them on the journey. But we see. Even today, in the life of God's people, just like Israel, apostasy, backsliding, we're easily discouraged, we're often surrounded by unbelief and disobedience to the gospel, even in the life of the church, a a, a despising of God's law, a lack of recognition of his covenant, of the seriousness of his covenant. And um, like the older covenant people, as a newer covenant people, we can be presumptuous and careless And um, we're faced in our culture, just like Israel, with, with, um, with cowardice, with compromise, with faithlessness, and with unbelief. Despite John reminding us he tabernacled amongst us, we've seen his glory, and Paul reminding us, you are the sanctuary, you are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. But I think this is... Christmas and it's a moment to to rejoice and be thankful and to celebrate and it's and, and it's because of this because of the incarnation because of Christ tabernacling presence that we cannot and we must not lose heart you know you think back to Moses in Exodus uh, and you think of the journey and you see how easily depressed he became by the people you know, at one point he was so frustrated he asked God to kill him. You see it with Elijah. You see it with the with, with the prophets. Um, how they become so discouraged, often, with the posture and the behavior of God's people, the people who profess to be God's people. And um, you know, it's true as you look back through the annals of the prophets that faithful cultural prophecy. And as we often say to our listeners, no, that's that's what cultural apologetics, that's what Christian worldview and a, a faithful development of a Christian philosophy is. It's it's a form of prophecy. It's a form of cultural prophecy. It's never been popular. And to be a cultural prophet is not going to win you popularity content contests to be the aroma of Christ. Um, is not going to win you popularity contests in much of our culture uh, contests in much of the culture today and we can easily be discouraged on the journey and many people may have gotten to the end of this year who are listening to this program and they feel discouraged Uh, maybe they've seen people backsliding maybe they've seen apostasy in their family maybe they've seen disobedience and cowardice in their church maybe they're seeing compromise and unbelief around them our message to to them to you this christmas is don't lose heart don't be discouraged The story of God in history, the accounts of God's doings in history are God's victories, often cleverly disguised as defeats. He's always at work. He's always at work with a remnant. He's always faithfully tabernacling amongst his true people. He's always with those who stand on the Lord's side. And as such, history has never been dominated by majorities but actually only by faithful minorities who stand unconditionally upon their faith. And the incarnation, the the calling it to mind, again this Christmas, is for the rising and fall of many. Christ is at work redeeming and judging the nations, the aroma of life, the aroma of death. And so I think we would want to say to to all the Ezra family, to all our Ezra listeners this, this Christmas, whatever the tests, whatever the challenges, whatever the opportunities that lie ahead for you and your family in this new year, let's be mindful at the conclusion of this year during this wonderful Christmas season of the privilege that we have of beholding his glory as we open his word. And by the power of the Spirit, behold the glory of Christ. As we fellowship in the life of His people, and we see the glory of God manifest among our brothers and sisters in Christ, we see the testimony of the kingdom and the reality of the kingdom manifest in their lives. You know the way that Paul puts it, doesn't he? He says, "We all, with unveiled face, are beholding the glory of God." We're be- in, in fact we're being transformed from one degree of glory into another that that whole image paul gives us there of unveiled faces unlike the veiled face of moses that people couldn't couldn't look at we with unveiled face behold the glory the glory cloud we see jesus the author and perfecter of our faith and as we behold him this christmas and we behold his glory We're being transformed, Paul says, from one degree of glory into another. Emmanuel, God is with us. He's transforming us. That's why I said at the beginning of this podcast, my concern again this Christmas is transformation, renewal. What is God doing? Well, he's transforming us from one degree of glory into another because his glory dwells with us as his people. And so whatever battles you have in store this Christmas, the Almighty has taken up residence amongst us. He's dwelling amongst us by the the Holy Spirit, who is God. And if God is for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? And so our only response this Christmas, I think, as we reflect on that, to the response to the tabernacling presence of God in Christ needs to be reverence and awe and joyful obedience and hope and faith and courage as we look ahead into the new year. Because to all appearances to the contrary in the West, Christ our glory is bringing all things into subjection to himself. And to top it all off, Ryan, the glory cloud that, that once covered that little tabernacle in the wilderness, that, that, that temporal manifestation for the people of Israel of the glory of God over that small space in the wilderness as God's throne room, that little tabernacle that now dwells among God's kingdom people throughout all of the nations as his sanctuary, as Paul has reminded us, that glory that's in God's sanctuary dotted around the nations, will one day cover the whole earth. As the scripture says, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that's why the prophet can say of the increase of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end and that really is the eschatological character of christmas it began in eden the tabernacling presence of god with his kingdom of priests they forfeited the land then it appeared with the copy of eden the tabernacle among a kingly priesthood a royal priesthood that's what they're called by god the people of israel There in the Older Covenant, a kingly priesthood. There the cloud appeared again, the presence appeared. Again, God walked with his people, dwelt with his people again. And then they forfeited the promises and forfeited the land. And then the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he tabernacles amongst us and we see his glory. And from there, he makes, he internationalizes The promise so that instead of just that one people there in the wilderness with the cloud and the glory now the glory of god and the fire of the holy spirit is manifest in god's sanctuary his people jew and gentile throughout all of the nations and when that marvel reaches its culmination as the aroma the fragrance of God's presence and that knowledge of his glory is sp- is spread it culminates in the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as we inherit the whole earth as his people as a kingly priesthood peter says you are a royal priesthood a holy nation
1: well, that's uh, that's a magnificent promise joe uh, that uh, that you've drawn out from, from scripture there. It's a, uh, I think, uh, I think you're right. It's a, it's an excellent uh, reminder this Christmas as the, uh, as 2022 draws to a close. And as uh, you know, like everyone has had, there have been struggles, there have been divisions and fissures in, uh, in relationships. And this, uh, this promise that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord it really is uh, a sustaining and uh, encouraging and strengthening uh, message and reality to uh, to live in. So thanks for thanks for that uh, that reminder, that exhortation. For any preachers who uh, who are listening, I hope maybe we've uh, given you some some good alternate suggestions for for Christmas texts. You're uh, uh, so, oh, welcome. You yeah, we can <laughs> you can take those. <laughs> it's
0: a Christmas gift.
1: That's right. We uh, we remind you here at the Ezra Institute that from him and through him and to him are all things. We also wish you a a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and your family, Joe.
0: And to you, Ryan.
1: Thank you.